But we are going to kick things off with some cricket. We'll keep the ball rolling. We are at Stumps on day number two at Blundstone Arena. You heard it here live on Sport FM. WA, a leading Tassie by 223 runs with nine wickets remaining. So they are in the driver's seat. Cam Bancroft, unbeaten on 50 currently. He is uh, not out on 50. He's faced 88 and hit seven fours. Teague Wiley currently not out on 10 as well. Uh, Sam Whiteman. The wicket to fall. He was out for 30. Bold Ellis caught Webster. Uh, joining us down the line this afternoon to talk all things cricket, not just Sheffield Shield. We're going to talk about the Indian Tour. We've got uh, the T20 Women's World Cup coming up and going on right now, I should say. Plenty happening. And joining us down the line to talk all about it is the co-host of the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, Andrew Mansell. And Menas, welcome back to the program. Good afternoon, Maddie. Thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, you must be loving life right now. There's so much cricket going on. Yeah, I am. I'm just um, watching with the Shield cricket as we chat. And, uh, yeah, there's internationals all around the world, so I am loving it. I wouldn't mind if the Australians were a bit more competitive than <laughs> India. Yeah, I think the Australians might be doing it a little tougher at the moment than you and I, uh, Manners. It seemingly is just going from bad to worse for them. David Warner the most recent casualty, and, of course, uh, the big news earlier on this afternoon, Ashton Agar is returning home, so he has been released from the squad. Um, it's, it's just going from bad to worse. Yeah, I mean, a lot to, to get into. Firstly, talking about the Australian players, I turned on the TV on Sunday, and I was really invested. And then when I watched that collapse, I was rattled. So I can only imagine how the players are when they were you know, in the midst of that diabolical collapse that basically handed India a test match on a platter and sent Alan Border into a fit on Fox Cricket. Um, <laughs> with Ashton Agar, I actually just uh, heard the press conference from one of the chief selectors, Tony Dottermade, and he talked about why Ashton Agar's coming home. And he didn't want to get too much into the sort of specifics, but one of the elements to sending him home is getting him some match practice ahead of the one-day series that does follow this uh, test series. So they, they want him playing some cricket, which is great for Ash. And then he also spoke about the fact that Mitchell Stark and Cameron Green are available for the next test. Just means they might have a few more options with the bowling lineup they they're going to go with. And effectively, Matt Kuhneman's jumped Ashton Agar mm. as a left-arm spinner. But I think it's great that he's coming home. You know, I'd much rather him playing for Western Australia in some competitive cricket than bowling in the nets in India. Why did they bring him over there in the first place? Um, we saw him playing at the SCG in the third test against South Africa. They were prepping him for this Indian tour and they didn't play him at all. Yeah, look, I'm not convinced with the the way the selection panel have handled this. So when Donamade was pressed by journalist Dan Brettig about why Kuhneman performed well in Sri Lanka this year but then was you know, left off the tour, and Agar, who didn't bowl that well at the SDG, was picked on the tour, when Donamade was asked about that, he didn't give a good answer. He basically said that we sort of thought Agar was our you know, number one left-arm spinner. didn't seem to have any reasons to back that up. So I think they've just got this wrong. They they got a lot of things wrong, I think, the selectors for this Indian tour. It all kicked off, really, with Travis Head uh, being dropped in that first test. Um, let's talk about David Warner, though, because he is the most recent casualty. Uh, that fractured elbow and a, a concussion as well uh, has seen him... We'll, we'll see him missing the uh, the next two matches. So could it be the last we see of 
David Warner at, at test level, Manners. You know, there's there's been talk for a fair while now. And and I think the feeling is that that 200 at the MCG gave him a pass to go on and play for, say, another six months or so until we get to the Ashes. But outside of that double century, what has he really done? Yeah, I think you make a really good point, Matt. What's concerning, I guess, for, for me as a fan and the selectors would be that his returns are so poor outside the 200. It's not like he's scratching around for some 40s or 50s mm. and digging in. And even though he might not look, you know, like the David Warner of old, he's still, you know, producing some value for the team. He's just not doing that. And with this injury, I think there is a chance we don't see him at test level again because his England his record in England is so poor that you would be very reluctant to take him on a tour that involves the World Test Championship final and an Ashes tour in poor form. And we saw in the last Ashes tour in 2019, he barely scored a run against you abroad. So as I said, it's not like he's scratching around for 40s or 50s. You know, he might do the old Olympic Olympic rings from Mark Warren, get the five ducks. Yeah, he certainly could the way he has been playing. But uh, we'd love to see David Warner continue on, but it certainly could be the last we do see of him uh, this Indian tour. Um, is hey, there... Matt, the other thing is, the, the irony is that the, the guy sort of putting the most pressure on him now is Cameron Bancroft, the, the WA opener. He's mm. having a, a stellar season. He's gone past 1,000 runs. He's 50 not out, I think, overnight as we talk. And, uh, you know, that's not a bad option for the selectors because he's a right-hander. So unlike Harrison Renshaw, who are the other openers competing for the spot, you could go back to what is a great combination of right-left-hander, which tough for opening bowlers to always adjust their line. So I think it's, you know, Cameron Bancroft is a real chance now of going on, on the Ashes tour. He's played well for in, in English conditions at county level. He didn't do well in the 2019 Ashes, but four years later his game's probably come on. So, you know, it could be a real open, opening there for very real contributor to this successful Western Australian side. Yeah, I was about to ask you, actually, is there anyone in the Sheffield Shield right now that the Aussie selectors should be looking at. So outside of Cam Bancroft, is there anyone else that you'd you'd have your eye on? Yeah, well, I think Marcus Harris and Matt Renshaw will be the two people that challenge the most for um, Bancroft's uh, at the top of the order because Harris has done really well at Shield level. He's, he's been still piling on the runs. He's also played a lot of county cricket in the last couple of years, Harris. So he does have experience in those conditions. And then it's just what they want to do with Renshaw. Do they want to try him as an opener again or keep him in the middle order? And I guess, you know, long term, you know, there could be two spots coming up for grabs because Kawaj is the same age as Warner. So you're not sure how long he'll go on for. I think he's 36 as well. So, you know, we could have a combination of Bancroft and then Harris or Renshaw, which would be your left-right hander. Speaking to Andrew Menzel here on Sports Drive this afternoon. Uh, Menas, how do you think they'll look to go with their bowling attack for the third test? I have no idea because they've just been pulling things out of the sky in the first two tests. You know, mm-hmm. pulling, they, could, they could bring bowlers over from Australia in this gap. I mean, there is talk that if Cummins doesn't come back, um, Lance Morris could be in the frame for the next test, but then there is also speculation if Cummins come back, they might send Morris back home to play in the Shield. Um, but but I think Stark will be the one they look at seriously for the next test um, because I think his reverse swing and ability to blast out the tail 
might be really important. Cummins underbowled himself. Um, so I think you really need staff there. So I think they'll look to get him in there. And also, if Cameron Green comes back in, that does give you another fast bowling option in the top six. So, you know, that will completely change the balance of the side. Cameron Green's injury has, has really thrown a spanner in the works for this tour. And, um, you know, if he comes back, it sort of changes that. And then I wonder if Pat Cummins will play the next test. Uh, if Stark's fit, Green's fit, you could go in with those two and then three spinners, Steve Smith captains and Cummins has a bit of a breather. I mean, it's a, it's a sad situation. He's got troubles at home. The team's getting hammered on the field. You know, he's under immense pressure. So maybe it's not the worst test for him to take a breather. All right. So uh, uh, a lot to uh, to play out between now and the third test in indoor in terms of selection and which way the Aussies go. How do they turn things around from here, Manners? Can they make it a respectable series? Well, if you look at the first two days of the second test when Australia were level with India and maybe slightly ahead going into that third day, then I think the evidence is there that they can. I mean, the Indian top order hasn't scored a lot of runs, so Australia will feel they're vulnerable. But the way things are going, as soon as the pitches really start to turn on that third and fourth day, the Aussie batters just don't seem to have any tactics to counter Judeja and Ashwin. So... I think if you're a betting man, Paul Neal's still the heavy favourite. <laughs> but, you know, maybe if they can just stick with India into the third day and then, you know, someone digs in and plays a blinder in innings. But India are just so good in these conditions. They bat deep. They've got, not only have they got a really good spin bowling attack, but if they don't get you, the fast bowlers will. So, you know, the Aussies are up against it. It's a real test for them. It is. Uh, before we do turn our attention elsewhere, why are they sweeping at everything? Are they going to smarten up with that? Well, I just think they've got the tactics wrong, and I think that the coaching staff has to look themselves in the mirror. Uh, it's not very experienced coaching staff. Andrew McDonald didn't play a lot of cricket in India. Um, Pat Cummins hasn't played a lot of cricket in India, so maybe there's just not the coaching for the batters. But if you listen to Matt Hayden, you know, who did so well, the, the, the trick is when a pitch is going up and down, when the ball's on the stumps, you play straight. And then if the ball's wide of off stump, you can pull out the sweep shot because if the ball keeps low, it doesn't matter. And, you know, that's a pretty pretty solid method. Most you know, international cricketers, it sort of give you that sort of advice when the ball's up and down, play straight. So I just think they lost it. Michael DiVenuto was quoted in the paper yesterday as saying that you know, there was chaos in the dressing room as the wicket started to fall. Steve Smith came in and blew up about his sweep shot. And Divinudo said he wonders why the other batters didn't realise maybe to put the sweep shot away. Well, you know, I sort of wonder why Divinudo or McDonald didn't go up to some of the batters and say, hey, let's maybe just put this shot away for, you know, a little while and get yourself in. Well, uh, hopefully the Aussies can start to turn things around uh, over in India. But, uh, geez, after the first two tests, it's going to be uh, a long way I'm not back. giving much good mail for your listeners, am I? No, no, it's perfectly fine. I, I think it's just the 100% truth at the moment, men, is the way they've played in those first two tests. And uh, that collapse, it was hard to watch in that second innings uh, in Delhi. Um, well, maybe the Aussies might have a bit of um, bit better... Uh, chances against India in the T20 World Cup semi-final, which is coming up tomorrow night in the women's uh, competition over in Cape Town. Uh, how are you seeing this competition and uh, will the Aussies make it through 
uh, to the final stage. Yeah, it's, it's a great competition. Australia have won all four of their games, so have England, so they've both gone through to the semi-finals, and Australia are taking on India, who are actually a little bit of, have been a thorn in Australia's side in the past. They beat them in the opening match of the 2020 T20 World Cup. They beat them in the 2017-50 over World Cup semi-final. So I actually think India will fancy their chances. They've got a, you know, a good spin bowling attack. Australia going as heavy, heavy favourites, but yeah, I think you know India are the team that could spring an upset. Shrini Mandana, one of their top order batters, is in superb form. So, look, the problem for Australia is they haven't really been challenged in the in the group stage. And you know what happens? You get into a semi final and you get put under pressure. I mean, if any teams, you know, good enough to cope with it, it's our Aussie team. But that should be a cracker. And then England taking on the home side, South Africa, the night after another top matchup. So. Yeah, it's going to be a great finish. It is. Uh, New Zealand playing England in the second test as well uh, over in Wellington. Um, how are you seeing that that series at the moment? How I'm seeing that is very entertaining. I mean, I, I turned on the first day with the pink ball in the first test and uh, England declared on, you know, 320-odd after 58 overs. So, you know, you, you cannot deny the English are a very entertaining test side to watch it. It makes me uncomfortable saying it as an Australian, but they are so fun to watch. Broad and Anderson took eight wickets between them in the second innings of that test match, and they went past Warren and McGrath as the the highest wicket-taking combination at test level. So, um, yeah, it's a fantastic series. England looked to have the class on those pitches against New Zealand. Man, as last one before I do let you go, uh, there's a fair bit of talk surrounding the American Cricket League, the major league cricket, uh, which is coming in um, a bit later on in the year. There's talks that Steve Smith could potentially be heading over to the US to be a part of that competition perhaps next year. What are your thoughts on uh, major league cricket in the United States and can it be successful? I think it can. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean... I just look at my podcast listening audience for Cricket Unfiltered and, you know, the, the second, usually the third or fourth most listens comes from the US. So there's a big cricket audience over there and they're, they're constructing a lot of grounds there and facilities to make Major League Cricket a real success. I guess the, the challenge for cricket in the USA is it's been poorly administered for a long time. There's been constant changes of boards and unofficial boards, but they seem to have got through that. There's a lot of investment coming from India into Major League Cricket. So I think it it actually could be a big success. And Steve Smith just loved New York. So, you know, it's a no-brainer for him uh, playing over there and um, playing in an American side and living in New York. I, I do note that Cricket New South Wales um, signed an agreement with the Washington Major League T20 franchise to sort of have a reciprocal arrangement of talent and stuff. So, yeah, Kev, watch this space. Manners, uh, a pleasure, as always, chatting on the program this afternoon. Thank you very much for taking the time, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Matty. Thank you. There he goes, Andrew Menzel, co-host of the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I thank him for his time on the program this afternoon.